Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I'm joined by Srini Munagavalasa, a Vice President for the Salesforce COE at MUFG Financials and the author of the Salesforce Business Analyst Handbook. Through the episode, we discuss how Srini moved into customer-facing business engagement roles, having started his career as a developer in SAP. We look at what has made him passionate about the role of a BA, who in a Salesforce team he feels needs BA skills, and how he differentiates between a business analyst and a functional consultant. We discuss key factors to successful Salesforce projects, what you can learn from failed projects, and how Srini stays on top of releases and the latest and greatest from Salesforce. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Srini, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me here. No, it's absolutely my pleasure. And um, this is like two worlds colliding for me because um, not everyone will know, but prior to my Salesforce um, recruitment career, I used to recruit SAP people. So when I saw your background, I was really interested because you've written a book recently on the the role of a Salesforce BA, but your background was more in the technical space, right? You were an ABAP developer, which in in the SAP world is like a development role. How did you make that transition from being a developer to being in more of a client-facing kind of business engagement role? So I have almost like, you know, 22 years of IT career, right? When I started, I started as a pure above hardcore developer. I'm very, very good at development. I used to develop in SAP HR space mostly. Then after that, I used to work for a very big company, right? PricewaterhouseCoopers. The good thing with this company is that you have a lot of opportunities. Of course, you need to volunteer for that to get it. But again, they'll encourage you, they'll guide you, they'll provide all the resources. So I started as a ABAP developer. I was in that space for almost like six to seven years. So I gradually transitioned from a developer into a lead, then a manager. So as you grow, basically, you just don't develop, right? That, that's not right. Yeah, juniors, I agree, right? Somebody will give you something. They say, create this report for me, create this interface for me. So you go just start typing it, right? But as you grow, right, you need to manage a team, make sure that you do the QA, they're doing the right thing. They understood the requirement. So I used to interact with the functional team members. At that time, we never had business analysts. It's more like functional analyst, right? You have a technical analyst, you have a functional analyst, then you have the business. Of course, the project manager, project manager is there too. So what happens is as you grow, basically I started interacting with functional people, as I become a manager, we run into issues too, right? I used to manage, right? I was a technical manager and I used to, you know, manage all the reporting, conversions, interface, and all these things. So once we have that, we need to interface just not with functional team members. I used to sit in the meetings with the business. And sometimes, you know, I started asking questions to have some questions, right? Something is happening. Something is going wrong many times, right? My technical guy does something. We do a QA based on what we understood. But when you take it to the business, they say that this scenario is failing or that scenario is failing. Out of 10, maybe eight may pass, but two are failing. That's not good. You want each and every scenario to pass. You need to have some kind of workaround. So what we did is at that time, I started slowly interacting with the business too. By the time, right, it's again gradual though. You cannot jump from, you know, A to B role directly, right? It's kind of. But again, my leads are very good. They gave me the opportunities. And they said that, why don't you move into functional areas? 
they have a little bit of, you know, need for people at that time in SAP, in the HR space and mostly in the CRM space. So I used to manage that, right? I, I, it's, it's like hybrid, like techno-functional. Then I be, moved into, you know, the business functional analyst role. And eventually, gradually, that functional analyst role transformed into the business analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. It's often not a transition. The, the management side, yes, absolutely. We see people progress technically into management roles and become less hands-on. But then to to become passionate about like business analysis and You've obviously gone on to write a book, um, the the Salesforce Business Analyst Handbook. So how have you become passionate about that that BA space and what has kind of led you to to be passionate about being an expert BA? Yeah, the the BA space is, right? So basically, once I started progressing, right, it's more like I became a functional analyst. Then before the book, right, even in SAP space, I wrote like multiple articles and case studies. I published that on, you know, SAP Professional Journal, HR Expert in different journals. So basically, once I started interacting with the business, no, no matter, right, who you are on IT team, right, everybody need to understand what the business wants. I don't say that what the business user wants, it's what the business wants. So I want to take a notch and kind of, I, I started getting into, you know, after I got a good experience, right, you deliver for the business. And before you get into that, I handled multiple roles, right? I did a deployment manager, I did Unit test, I mean, I did the, you know, UAT manager. You need to handle multiple roles to comprehensively understand the whole thing, right? The project. The project, right? Some say is that it's a responsibility of the project manager. Some say it's BA's responsibility. Some say it's the architect's responsibility. But I would say it's, it's overall everybody's responsibility more than anybody. It's a combination of the PM and the business analyst because they understand the stakeholders. They understand the requirements. Right, a good business analyst. I'm not saying understand not everybody, right? They need to understand what the business needs. Sometimes the business may not need know what they really want. So basically, we need to reach out to them and find out from the market, from outside, how I can enable them to do the business better. I want to give technology as an aid, as a tool, so that they can do their business better and not worry about the technology. So when I started interacting in that space, I I, I loved you know working with the business different business team members, helping out, right? Just going to the marketplace, doing some prototypes, showing it to them, right? It's, it's kind of innovation kind of thing, right? I'm, I'm putting something there for the business so that they don't need to worry about the IT. And once I got into that, then how I came to write the book, right? I'm, I'm looking for a lot of books though. When I get into the business role, a lot of people are asking me, what does a business analyst do really? When I'm a business analyst, I'm not just doing business analysis work. I'm doing multiple things. If you look at my generic, like on an average regular thing, I may be doing 50% of business analysis and almost 20, 25% meetings, you know, guiding people, mentoring them. And maybe another 20% you need to do, you know, the project management stuff and all. It's a combination of multiple things. I don't do 100% just business analysis. It may be a junior person may be doing at my level, right? You get to meet to high level. It's kind of, you know, you, you, you need to do, you know, multiple things at the same time. I'm looking at a book, some kind of book to read. So I, I read a lot, right? I go to multiple sites, I read blogs, I, I listen to, you know, a lot of videos. I read a lot of books though. I mean, you have a lot of books on purely like how enhancement, I mean, on, on requirement gathering, right? Some say it's prototyping, but none of the books really told me from end to end, right? If somebody wants to do something, what do you do from A to B? To achieve B, where do you start? Where is the A point and how you progress through and go to that B? So then I thought, okay, let me, you know, I have a lot of knowledge. 
right? Let me put my knowledge. I've worked on like multiple projects on SAP and as well as in Salesforce. In addition to that, I, I did other multiple projects to smaller projects, right? In our role, we do like one or two big projects in Salesforce in my domain, and we need to do other, you know, stretch goals, basically. So then I thought, okay, let me do one thing, right? Initially, I thought of writing a business analyst handbook, but then I thought since I have a Salesforce skill, right? I'm working on Salesforce for almost 15 years. So I thought, let me use that one as an example. It is a generic book anybody can read, but the examples I gave is more like focused on CRM. And then I went right from starting elicitation, right? How do you identify the stakeholders? Then through elicitation, through all the phases of the project. So the business analyst may not be involved in all the phases, but my recommendation, what I do to make something successful, if you are involved in all stages, right? In some stages, illustration, 100%. Testing, maybe 50%. Validation, 30%. You need to balance out, right? Once you work on a couple of projects, you know, like how it's going to work. And I covered not just to end of the project, even use beyond, right? User adoption. How do you take care of the users and keep the system, right? Live. Live in the sense, it's a good system that people want to use. So then I thought, okay, let me, let me, you know, just go, just put my experiences there. People love it. They love it. At least they know my perspective. So I approached Pack Publishing and they're pretty good. I mean, they responded within two days and we got started and I'm luckily able to publish a book. Obviously, um, business analyst is a role, but business analysis is a group of tasks, right? And you mentioned everyone on a project needs to understand the business or most people, but who within a project actually needs business analysis skills like, or within a Salesforce team? Because like a good admin should be able to do some level of business analysis, right? In my opinion. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's a very good question, right? So business analysis, right? What I think is, right, every role, at least they need to know to a certain extent, but the core roles, I'm not going to go through everyone, right? We have like, you know, limited time. So I would say that, yes, of course, a business analyst need to have all the skills, right? They need to know all the techniques, tools, need to know the methods, right? And they need to have all the soft skills to be enable, you know, all the phases of the project successfully. In addition to that, I would say admin. Admins should have the business analysis skill because any level ones or level two ticket kind of thing, right? Which can be done quickly, right? Adding quickest values, writing a workflow. No workflow is not there. You call flows or doing a validation rule to do anything, right? Or a page layout, creating a record type. So what they need to do is basically, right? They need to understand the business, right? A business may be telling you, add me a picklist. Can you add this, you know, a, a field with picklist values? They need to question and understand, right? How it's going to add benefit to not just that user, right? To the business as a whole. And they need to talk to the other stakeholders, right? If they have multiple countries, multiple BUs, do they want to use the same field or is it only for one specific business unit? So they, they need to understand both the system as well as to a certain extent the business and use different tools in the business analysis to understand it better. And then they had to document it too, right? Documentation is very, very important. Right. A lot of times people, they don't document it. If you document, keep the artifacts, anybody coming to the project, a new person tomorrow, I, I leave, somebody comes, they have those artifacts available immediately. So admins need to have, again, the project managers, it's good to have because my project manager, my place, right, the program manager, he totally understands, you know, if something is going off or somebody's discussing something, because once you work on a project for like, you know, we have like eight releases, you know, over a period of four years. Right. We did for like multiple countries. When you do that, basically, even the project manager, to a certain extent, they need to know. 
I'm not saying like 100%, like 20% business analysis skills. So, and, and some are like, you know, transferable skills. When you have a conference room pilot or you are having a, a requirement discussion, right? A heated discussion, a lot of people are there, people are not agree, right? You're you are keeping people in a line, right? The listening skills, the managing the conflict, and then the, all the meeting management skills, you know, this kind of skills are transferable, right? Whether you are a BA or a PM, you need to have that kind of skills. So in, in addition to that, right, again, I'm not saying solution architect, right? More than technical architect, solution architect, because they are going to have a wider solution. When we start the project, right, when the business says that we want to deploy this for 30 or 40 countries, then the scope, high-level scope, when you have it, they need to have an understanding, right? Ask the right questions to the stakeholders to at least draw, right? Help the project manager and the business analyst to have the roadmap laid out. So I think everybody needs, but more than that, it's, I think admin is the next person who need to know though, because they're going to eventually, right, grow into a business analyst role or a program manager, project manager, or a solution architect, right? You're not going to stay there forever. Yeah, I think that can often be like the differentiator between a good admin and, and someone that isn't so strong is their ability to understand the business, but also communicate to the business, manage requirements, push back, you know, manage stakeholders, uh, manage expectations, all of those kind of things that, that can set someone apart. Pushback is very, very important. I see a lot of people, right, business say something and somehow people are scared of the business, right? They don't want to say no. As a business analyst and a program project manager, these two people, these are the bad guys. You had to say no. And you need to do a lot of homework. So it's not like you have big people in the meeting when you say no. I mean, you don't say no, right? You're a fresh new BA and you say no, nobody will believe you, right? You gain the trust. You have the experience. Right? After one, two years, once people trust me, right? Because I delivered certain things. I'm going to say, yes, whatever they're asking, I'm going to tell what are the plus and minus points. I, I need to do the complete homework. Talk some of the people offline. Then tell them why it is not beneficial and why we should not do it. Then in that one hour meeting, right, if you do, right, you need to do, yeah, maybe like two, three days of work. But when you present it in the right way, then people trust you, they agree with you, right? Rather than saying no, oh, it is very difficult, technically challenging. Why? Why is it technically challenging, right? Okay, it is technically challenging, you cannot do. Is there a workaround, right? It can be manual workaround, I don't care, right? The business should move on, right? That's the goal. Now, it's interesting to me, you, you haven't mentioned the functional consulting role, which I see is often used interchangeably with the BA position by certain companies. But we see um, some projects that will have functional consultants and business analysts on them. And I think everyone has their own interpretation and, and responsibilities for different roles. But how would you differentiate between a functional consultant and a business analyst? Nowadays, right, bo both of them are kind of merging. But the functional consultant had it, it, its own, you know, different, you know, what you call skill set though. So when I started, right, when I moved into developer, into techno-functional to functional, right, they took me into functional. The reason being is, right, I'm good at personal administration. I'm good, in, good at payroll. So the payroll, SAP, and personal administration, even in Salesforce, if you take, right, I did PRM, partner relationship management. It needs a separate set of skills. You have the sales cloud functionality. In addition to that, you have MDF, marketing development fund, partner finder, partner or partner locator, what you call. You have business plans, right? You, you, you have deal registration. So you have other components to that. So the functional analyst is needed at some sometimes if you don't have the skills. Say you have financial service cloud. It's different from the regular sales cloud. It's similar, but a lot of nuances are there. So they need to have finance background, 
and they need to understand they, they need to have the skill set the functional guy right what happens is right they have the skills i'm not saying they know everything broadly they have that small set of skills which is needed right i i'm doing payroll i'm doing prm right they have that skills in and out probably they implemented before right and second thing they have the domain knowledge somebody need to understand if you are doing partnership management they need to watch channels what is that how do you sell it's not a direct sales it's indirect sales you go through the partner you have the resellers you have the technology partners so you need to know the nuances so basically what a functional consultant does is they're going to get the requirements they may not be doing the elicitation that much you need a ba they're going to get it of course they may ask certain questions then the ba can go to the business or the functional analyst can go to the business and then they can get more illustration get the detail once they have that one this person is going to sit with the solution designers and solution that one and tell the developers okay this is the way you need to do and he's going to validate based on the requirement the ba gave but again the ba may not be knowing these things right they they don't need to know prm because they may be working on sales crowd all the time once they work on one or two projects small projects they may get experience right but but what they're going to do is they go beyond that they help you know eliciting eliciting the requirements then documenting it then make sure they work with the functional and the solution architect to solution that one and they're going to test help you with the testing they're going to the training training is very important after you use the adoption right they need to meet with the people they need to have some kind of brown bag session you know some training sessions knowledge sharing sessions basically right ba's role is much more broader than the functional consultant but functional consultant is more like impactful they have the domain knowledge they have the technical knowledge on that small piece of technology so yeah so the functional consultant should have deeper salesforce knowledge in terms of how a particular solution can benefit that customer that specific area i'm not saying everything right if it's prm they need to know prm completely because we we see a lot of functional consultants that, that would call themselves a functional consultant but they would know sales service you know communities like they would be across multiple solutions that i call a business analyst though i mean you can call those see business analyst also it's functional right more like functional and, and nowadays no company is hiring two people right they're saying that do you have certifications even the ba and and they, did you work on the business side as a business analyst in a couple of years and all so it's it's basically pretty much what they expect is they they want to even to understand the coding and all do you think a ba should do configuration a ba usually i don't recommend them doing it see once you document the requirements in a brd and you have the right functional specifications right there are a lot of you know good people who can do that but at the same time i'm not saying you should not do sometimes what happens is right if you are prototyping something right not in production i usually quickly do that if i want to do that rather than going to them they're working on multiple projects right i quickly go you know download the package do some configuration and if i need some help i'll call you know one senior developer and ask can you take a look at this one so prototyping wise you know i tend to do that and when i do a demos on the prototype too right i invite the technical team so that they can understand but more or less i'm going to do the demo so that you know i can articulate well and i can manage the conversations better right if something is needed my technical people are there who can pitch in and you know talk there yeah so that's i guess where we see the difference like from a market perspective like when i'm speaking to a functional consultant they would often expect to do configuration so whereas a ba sometimes won't 
And some companies expect their BAs to do configuration, others don't. And some BAs expect to, and others don't, you know. I think it's good to know what the capabilities of the platform are as a BA, because you you know what's possible and what's not. But yeah, especially in the consulting space, like a functional consultant would typically, like you said, solution, but then potentially be involved in the build as well, handing off anything technical to a developer, but doing the um, declarative development within a, an org. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a gray area and, and different people have different opinions. But obviously with the Salesforce BA certification now, that's become a much clearer role. Like there is a defined role for a BA. It's not just kind of put under the responsibilities of a functional consultant from what we see. Yeah, th- that is true though. But the thing is, right, people need to remember this though. When When companies are hiring, if they want to grow, right, don't say this is not my role. Try to learn that role, right? If they, if they ask you to develop Apex coding, yeah, you cannot do, of course, right? And, and nobody can become a business analyst or a functional consultant directly without doing an admin role or a developer role, right? You need to progress or a project assistant, right? One of them, right? You work there, understand the, you know, the, the, how, how things work, right? The culture of the company, the team, you know, how, how people interact, what they do. Then slowly, right, once you volunteer or if you're given a role, you keep growing. And when you go there, right, when somebody tells you that, oh, you had to do configuration, yes, you can do that. It's, it's not that difficult. If somebody asks you to do an Apex coding or a Visual Force page, yeah, maybe you don't want to do, right? Because, you know, those developers, they do every day. It's, it's easy for them. For a BA, you know, once in a while, if you do, you may mess things up. That That's, you know, hardcore coding, right? Certain validation rule. Right. You should be able to write it. If they say, can you write it? Yes. You should be able to, you know, how to write it, you know. So I, I would say people should be more open though. I mean, you know, there are gray areas, but again, don't stick to just what is just BA, what is, you know, if you want to grow, try to learn everything. So you've been uh, heavily involved leading a, a 27 country rollout of Salesforce, um, which is, you know, a significant project, right? We, we don't, especially in Australia, we don't tend to see projects of that scale. What was the key to success delivering a project so big? Yeah, the key to success, right? The multiple things are there, right? Fortunately, right, not only this implemented in Salesforce, when we did for, you know, SAP, we did for like almost 18 countries in different languages too. So those are all like uh, most of the projects are three to four year roadmaps. So the way we do it is, right, we have a fantastic project team here, right? Wherever I worked, I worked on like three major global projects, actually. Each is almost four to four and a half years. After that, you have two years of minor enhancements, right? You, you need to close the project, you know, some point of time. The first thing is you have the program manager. The BA need to be identified from the beginning. You don't bring them after, you know, the roadmap is cast, you have the requirements, then nothing works. So you need to have the right set of team, especially the BA also should be there from the beginning, the solution architect, and you need to have a clear-cut roadmap. Every project I worked on, big projects, we have a roadmap. For the next five years, right, they say we need 25 countries. They may say 25 to 30 countries, right? Some countries may be in question because compliance issues and all. So we need to have a clear-cut roadmap. How many releases do you want? How do you want to space the releases? You, you don't say that because you have 30 countries, you do six countries at a time divided by four years is, you know, six months. That doesn't work that way. The initial releases will take much longer. Because you are casting the, you know, the framework. You need to have a framework, right? You need to have the right architects there, right project managers, PAs, so that you you have the right blueprint, right, for all countries, right? I'm not saying you can use it as is, but you need to have some kind of blueprint. Once you have it, right, you need to space the releases. You can have experienced people, right? I worked on multiple implementation, maybe later implement, I added value. 
If not, you can get consulting help, right? We got from Excel, we used Accenture, we used Deloitte, we used PwC different, right? Based on the company we used it. You take their input, right? Once you have that one, right? You need to space the releases. One is basically the first release may be like six to eight months because you need the blueprint and then you're going to do for some countries. Again, in, the, in our case, say Americas, right? We took Canada, we took US and we took like Mexico, right? That's the first release. The next release, we did EMEA countries, around six countries. Then we did Oceania. Asia, because of a lot of compliance issues, data related, legal and all, we had to split up into multiple, you know, chunks, right? Some countries, some Asian countries in one release, another Asian countries and then different releases. Japan, especially Japan, China, it's, it's totally different release. So what we did is the first ones, right? Once we have the template, we gave a space of three months for enhancement release. We don't want to go to phase two immediately, right? Based on my past experience and experience from other project managers, we said that let's keep the buffer period. We'll be planning doing for the next release. I'm not saying, but you're not doing 100%, 50%, right? Rest 50%, we got all the pain points. We worked with the you know users. We got their feedback, right? Basically, we enhanced it, made sure the adoption is good. Then, because once you have a good adoption, there'll be a word of mouth. So once we have that one, then what we do is the second release, then it, it, it's like it reduces a little bit from, say, seven months, it comes to six months. Then later releases, they come to, eventually it may come to like three, three and a half, four months minimum. You cannot shrink it. The only thing you need to remember is, right, every release, you need to, anything, each, we have, say, six releases. Every release, you need to sit on top of that and be diligent. You, know, you shouldn't be complacent. Everything, whatever you are doing, you need to do seriously, religiously. Don't assume that, oh, I did there, it's going to work there, right? It, it, it's not. I face a lot of failures, right? I would say, I'm not saying I'm successful all the time. We fail many times. So these are lessons learned what we have, but these are good lessons. That's when you learn, right? If you don't fail, no, you don't know anything, right? Every time, you know, you go to a restaurant, the food is good all the time, then it's good. Only when bad in another restaurant, then you know how good food is at this restaurant. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you need the bad to actually appreciate the good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're in the financial service in industry now, um, and we, we see a lot of when financial services, especially when they're hiring, they look for people with financial services experience. How important do you think that actually is for Salesforce professionals, but specifically for a BA to actually understand the, the nuances of finance? The finance industry, right, let me put it this way, right, there are two components of a BA. Yeah, of course, when you see a resume, right, if healthcare will ask for healthcare, right, technology will ask for technology experience, finance will ask for finance, right? But when I, before, uh, you know, I worked here, right, I'm working here for almost eight and a half years, bank, before that I worked for a technology, right, CA Technologies. There it's a technology, this is bank. The reason when they interviewed me, they took me, right? The reason, the only reason, right? I have the skill set, right? I did major, major implementation, successful implementation. And some people basically went from this company to that company, right? Some people, right? It's, it's more like some references are there too. So I have the technical skills. And again, you know, they know that I presented Dreamforce three times. You know, I did other things too. They know all that things. I worked in SAP. So if I have that skills, when they ask me, they ask me the same questions, right? So what about finance? I told, yes, I know in the beginning it may be a struggle, but I'm going to catch up, right? I need six months to catch up. I'm not going to become an expert in six months, right? Nobody can become an expert in anything in six months. But I'll, I'll reach a stage where I can converse with people comfortably in finance. 
I need to put a lot of effort. I read a lot of books. I met a lot of people. I, I read a lot of documentation that's available. Then after six months, you get, you get used to that. Once you start delivering that, you know, the technology and all. That is one way, right? But again, when they're interviewing, if, if, if I don't know anybody, I don't have any references. If two people are there, if somebody stands out in technology, right? Good business analysis skills, project management skills, technical skills, right? Or design skills, right? I would prefer them than the domain skills finance because if you are a good BA or a solution architect, right? You can find the right stakeholder, get their help because they have a stake in the game too. It's not your project. It's their project, everybody's project. You work with them. You tell them oh, honestly, I'm new to this. I don't know this domain. Can you please explain me? And then you work with them and you, you can enable that. Yes, if you have a person with both skills, fantastic. Of course, you'll take them. But I prefer, you know, having the skills rather than that skills because this is a Salesforce project. Yeah, that makes sense. But then obviously over the years, over the last eight years, your domain experience has obviously gone through the roof, right? You've gone from not knowing finance to really knowing finance. And when you're on a project, you're delivering X, right? You're, you're, the outcome for the business is, is X. But there's so much else happening in the Salesforce world that you might not be utilizing, right? So the solution you're delivering is fit for financial services. But there's other things that maybe not are that aren't in scope for your project. So as your career has progressed and you've learned more about the domain and you've progressed from a seniority perspective, how have you continued to stay on top of what's happening in the Salesforce world and all of the releases and things like that? How do you kind of ensure you're still a Salesforce expert? So that that's one other thing, right? So Salesforce, they have three releases, right? They have a lot of conferences, one coming in New York next month. So basically, we always encourage people to attend those things, even we take the business folks with us so that they can see, understand. Because sometimes, you know, if they see it, they like it, we get funding. We need funding to run projects too. So it, it, it's they're running millions of dollars, right? When we had this four-year roadmap, it's not that, you know, we are, you know, looking only that roadmap. In between, we ran into a lot of things, right? Our bank said that we saw that, you know, we, we wanted, we are using Splunk and other things, you know, to capture the data for compliance reasons, right? Auditing and all. Then we saw the platform encryption. So we, we got that into the mix. Then we got lightning. We have all the workflows, process flows, and all moved into flows. So we have a lot of things happening. Then we have Einstein analytics. They said the Salesforce dashboard and all of guys said they stopped developing it. So now Einstein analytics. Now they say CRM analytics. So a lot of things are coming in the mix, right? In addition to that, you have a lot of Apexing packages. We see some, some of the good packages, right? We use the DNB Hoover, right? To source all the data. Any data is created. We, you know, customers or contacts. We use that through that one. We are on top of things, our team, right? Even I spend at least 15 to 20 minutes. I don't spend hours and hours. 15 to 20 minutes, just browse through different sites on LinkedIn or, you know, some, some good sites, right? We have it. And then basically from that sites, right? So you know that if something is happening, something is interesting. They say Salesforce GPT, right? You focus on that. Or you tell one of your team members, hey, can you keep an eye? Can you get some information? In two weeks, can you do a presentation? Brown bag session. Same, we have Salesforce Outlook used to be there. Now they call Salesforce Inbox, right? So we need to change from that to this, right? The plugin is different. So basically we tell people, we tell one of the technical guys, hey, can you work on that? Give a presentation to everybody. So in this four years, right, we kept enhancing the system. We kept it current with the Salesforce. It's not that, you know, we are doing just the projects. We, we need to keep this fresh because tomorrow workflows are done. You cannot do that. So I cannot say the business workflows are done. I cannot do anything. 
So we are consistently for each country we are changing, right? Anything new coming, we kept in flows. The workflows slowly we convert into you know, flows, workflows into flows. So yes, I I spend even I encourage my teams to spend even my company encourages, right? They they provide us a lot of tools, you know, a lot of resources, right? So I I can get I can read any book. We have you know a lot of you know license to a lot of sites. The only thing is just spend some time, 10, 15 minutes, not much, right? Don't don't read monthly two hours, then nothing, you, you won't gain anything, right? 15 minutes a day, it adds up. It's not just Salesforce, in general to overall, right? What's happening, right? Outside to in the finance industry, what's happening, right? What others are doing, right? Outside market, how is it? Yeah, it's always good to keep abreast and always keep your system current though the latest, you know, whatever they are deploying, right, Salesforce, you're paying for that. And that, that's going to simplify your life. So might as well, you know, use them. Absolutely. So my, my final question is, can anyone be a good BA or are there certain skills or, or capabilities that some people just, you know, might not have? Like the, the soft skills, as an example, the influencing, the, the, the ability to push back, empathize, things like that. Like, do you see some people just can't pick up those skills or are they, if you keep working at them, will they come? If you had asked me the same question 20 years ago, I would have said that I'll be the worst BA. And and even my other people, my colleagues would have told, right? I used to be kind of, you know, the communication and all. I don't say rude, but the way I talk is like that, right? Just, just say shut up kind of thing rather than saying that keep quiet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So it, 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 it's like you, you gain it the once, once you start doing that, you converse with people, right? And, and you deliver something, right? Then they appreciate you. They trust you. When they're doing all these things, right? The teamwork, the business comes to you, right? You deliver. They know you are the doer. And then at the same time, you're learning stuff, right? When I interact with the business, it's not that I'm giving them technology. I'm trying to understand how they use it, why they use it, right? How does it add value? If they, if they say, I want a pipeline reporting, right? I'm not just going to create with 10 fields saying that, okay, this is the income, this is it, this is it, and all. I'm going to ask, how does it impact? What do you do with that? How do you decide? Next year, how do you forecast it? Right? What products are we targeting next year? Even though it, it's not directly, I, I may not need it, I try to understand because tomorrow, if you need to develop something, right? Somebody comes up and say that, I want to have this kind of thing, right? Can you do that? Right? Then I have all the information available. So basically, if, if somebody likes doing that kind of stuff, then yes, you know, just, I'm not saying just go join as a BA, right? You're a developer, right? Or you are a, you know, architect, somebody, you want to move into project management or a business analysis. Do that 75%, do this 25%. Go with the senior BA, senior PMs, go to the meetings, understand what they're doing, how they're doing, how they're, then volunteer to do small stuff. Once you do volunteer to do the small stuff, right? Then once you like it, then make it 50-50, right? Do 50 development or, you know, admin work and 50% this. Uh, and then 25-75. Again, you don't do like pure BA though. You need to do multiple. For me, right? They give me some projects, right? Any All my team members, they're, they're given multiple projects. On some, you know, I, I may be the testing lead, right? I may be doing training, right? You do other small stuff too, right? Eventually you can grow this role that way. Then, you know, if you like it, keep growing it. If you don't like it, I'm not saying everybody should like it. But if they're interested, try this way. And if, if it is palatable to them, they like it, they enjoy it, basically. Then go for it, right? If not, you can, they can try PM role, right? They can try architect role. There are m multiple roles out there, right? Or a QA role, right? Testing role. It depends. But again, though, I mean, if somebody is not communicating well today, 
if they're junior, they have a lot of time to learn stuff, right? If I can do, they can do. Yeah, it's such a good message. I think um, it's not a race, right? Incremental um, learnings and uh, improvements can go a long way over time. So, Srini, thank you so much. Um, you know, I think a lot of people will get a lot of benefit from the book. Um, and if anyone does want to reach out and just ask some questions or pick your brains, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, the, the best place would be LinkedIn, though. I, I'm there. I, I check often. I may not check every one hour, but morning and evening, I, I, I check, right? During work, I mean, uh, I, I don't check, right? After I come home, I, I check a couple of hours, right? Not continuously doing something. And certainly if anybody had anything, yeah, they can shoot me a question. I can help them out. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Ben. Absolute pleasure. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, all the best for uh, for the next major rollout you work on. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ben. Have a wonderful day. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.